Welcome to the Canicuck Institute podcast, where we continue to equip leaders with biblical skills for a lifetime of ministry. Hey guys, and welcome back into the Canicuck Institute podcast with you as always, Keith Chancy and Chad Hampshin. Um, fun to be with you today. We, uh, Keith, we've been back for 36 hours. We just returned from Israel with uh, an amazing trip of students, alumni, parents. Keith, we had a blast, didn't we? Oh man, bro, did we ever have so much fun. I'm still try- uh, getting a little bit jet lagged, Chad. You know, it's kind of one of those things that you kind of think about and go, whoa, what did we do and how many places did we go? And it just seems like just the other day, we're on the uh, Jordan River doing baptisms or were we in Caesarea yeah. and, and talking about Paul and where were we in the end times? I mean, it was unbelievable. What a great trip. Yeah, we we had so much fun. Um, and really, there were kind of three different groups that went with us and would love to just, you know, as we're sharing with our audience, Keith, let's talk about students first. What what makes it such a big deal for students and uh, and maybe alumni at the same yeah, time, yeah. students and alumni? Why, why is it such a big deal for them to get the opportunity to go to Israel? Why, why is it meaningful? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to think about that. You know, Chad, this is somewhere in between my 18th and 20th time to do this trip. And one of the things that I love is I love watching the Bible that maybe sometimes reads black and white, all of a sudden become living color. Because when you walk into uh, Caesarea or you're at Mount Carmel and you're talking about the Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and then you go over to Megiddo and you go, this is where the, the future battle of Armageddon is going to be. And you're looking over that site. You just kind of go, are you kidding me? And then you walk over to Nazareth and you're standing on the, you know, right there where Jesus would have escaped when they tried to throw him off the uh, cliff there. And, and, and yet you just kind of go, I'm not just reading a story, but I'm seeing where it happened. When I see the students, their faces just begin to beam with what they're seeing, that their Bible really has a lot more depth than I, than I think they thought before, yeah. because they're seeing it in real life. It's amazing. So I would say that you know when, a, when an alumni or a parent or someone goes on this trip, and they all of a sudden just hear the same text they've read 10, 15, 20 times plus, and all of a sudden they feel it, and they go, "This is where it really happened." It's an oh my yeah. deal. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know for a lot of people growing up, probably you know view the Bible as spiritual stories uh-huh. that that maybe aren't even rooted in reality, and then they go and they go, "Holy cow, these are actual real places, and we <laughs> right. got we got ruins of towns right, that show us right. where they happened." And um, we had an amazing group of parents. We sure did. Yeah, it was so fun. Such great conversations. Uh, why would you want to encourage, you know, our listening audience, the parents, friends of the Institute, longtime friends of us, what, what, what would be an encouragement to you? Why, mm. they, why would they would go? And specifically, why would they want to go with a group of young people like the students at the Canicook Institute? You know, I, I think of one word that keeps coming to mind of every parent that ever goes in this hill, they go, energized. Yeah. You know, they just go, it was energizing. They go, I've, I've kind of gotten into my rut and I've got into my realm of life and I forgot what it was like to be young. And these students are on fire and they're just going after it. They're sharing the gospel. They're taking time to love each other, to encourage each other. It's just a whole, it's what you want to see the body of Christ looking like. So these moms and dads are like, I, I can't tell you how much I love your you know, your students. It's been such a privilege to be with them. And 
Uh, and Chad, I know personally for me, it is just fun to get to know them. I get yeah. to know parents in a way that I don't usually get to know them. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun conversations too. Yeah, it is that that sprung with parents going, mm-hmm. okay, what do I do with mm-hmm. the third quarter of my life, mm-hmm. the fourth quarter of my life? Uh, that being in that place stirred some yeah, things. Yeah, it for does. Them. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. Well, we want to we want to fill you in a little bit um, on uh, the trip and why it's so important. We're going to really take two episodes. We're going to sure. focus on Galilee a little bit, and then maybe the next episode focus on Jerusalem. But um, we talked a lot with our guides and with with the students in particular about the value of having the Bible yeah. meet the historical and archaeological evidence, and and why that adds strength to our faith. Mm. Um, and we we get to see some really cool things. So before we dive into some specific places at Galilee. Yeah. What do you love about being in the Galilee region? Oh boy, you know, one I love being on the Sea of Galilee. I just love being there. I love getting on a boat. I love going out in the middle. I love thinking this is where Jesus really would have sailed because there's no doubt about it. And and thinking about the disciples who they were professional fishermen and that here they are, we're on their sea, and yet Jesus told those professional, he, he told them how to fish, when I'm sure they were going, oh my gosh, who's oh, this yeah, guy? Oh yeah, the you new know? guy, yeah. yeah. And, and there's just so many stories on that sea that just brings to life. And, and as I'm over in Capernaum, you know, where Jesus probably did the majority of his uh, miracles, and he had been, he had been pushed over there from Nazareth, a, a place of lowliness where he, grew up most of his life, and yet they're the ones that rejected him. And so he goes to Capernaum, and there he begins to do miracles. And it, it's just amazing to watch, you know, in that region. And you're you're there where uh, Magdala, where Tagba, uh, the Beatitudes. I mean, you're just going, it, it's just one step after another. You're in another dimension of, of the Bible being taught. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it feels like for those that haven't been, there's there's this real like contrast oh, between Galilee and Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. For me, I love Galilee because it's like you're stepping back two thousand years. Yeah. Like when you're on the sea, it, it really feels mm-hmm. like it's not that different, right? Than than what it was. Whereas Jerusalem, man, there's people everywhere. It you know you got two thousand years of history. You know there's ruins along there's modern ruins. buildings, yeah, right. and you know. Um, it's like you're stepping back in, into the time of the sure disciples. So let's talk about a couple of maybe yeah, our, sure. our highlight plays. Let's start with Capernaum. Talk about the significance <laughs> of Capernaum and maybe what are some of the highlights for you? You know, when you're it's there. just really a fun place to be because when you think about Capernaum, you know, you, you just, and you start talking about miracles and you, and you think about really what Jesus had done there. One of my joys of being there is, is I love to go to the synagogue and here I am in the synagogue and I'm thinking about just that day, you know, found in, in, uh, when you look in the, Gospel of Luke chapter 5, you know, when Jesus um, walked into the synagogue and he began to teach and all of a sudden these four buddies have their best friend that they bring in and they climb up on top of the synagogue and we're there, you know, Chad, and it's really cool. And they begin to rake off the top of the synagogue and all of a sudden here they are on belay and they're sending their little paralyzed buddy down right before Jesus and 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 he just kind of lands there and, and they're going... They heard that Jesus was there and they were willing to go get their friend that was a quadriplegic. They bring him up there, pull him up on top of the roof, lower him down because they believed in who Jesus was. And Jesus says something that is so amazing there. He could have said, uh, be healed. And this guy would have got up and everybody goes, yay, it was awesome. But he doesn't say that. And what makes this story so exciting to me and, and what makes me so excited even to tell it, what makes me so excited to, to be where it was, 
is that Jesus says something that is very unique. He says, may your sins be forgiven. Yeah. Wow. What a statement, because what he was doing right there was making a claim to be God. Yeah. And with that, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the religious leaders begin to get really mad because who is this man that's claiming to be God? Who is this man that's healing on the Sabbath? Who is this man that isn't this uh, the son of Joseph? And everybody from Nazareth to Capernaum is really mad at this guy who is claiming to be God. Yeah. And so everywhere he goes and every place that he touches, he is making this assertion of who he is. And there's going to be a day where I am going to die and I'm going to resurrect and I am going to show you who I really am. Yeah. Yet they don't get it, Chad. Yeah. But yet when you're there, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I wept and I watched others weeping as they're going, this is the real story. Yeah. Yeah, the ruins there are, for those of you who can't visualize, you have essentially the ruins of an entire city, and the synagogue in particular is is pretty overwhelming. Yep. Uh, for, for those of you that don't know, um, you know, Capernaum sits on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, yep. and it's really a connection between the entire Middle East and Egypt. And so not only did Jesus do those miracles, mm-hmm. but people would have been constantly oh, in yeah. and out of that town. Absolutely. And the message of, of Jesus and, and the news of Jesus would have spread quickly. Okay, give us number two on your list. Capernaum. Well, you, you know, well, let me. I want to say one more okay, thing about okay. Capernaum because it's really interesting to note. Because when you think about Capernaum, you just go, "Okay, so Jesus did miracles there." But also, when he did so many miracles there, they're the ones that rejected him. Yeah, and so, and he, then he gives them a very woe statement. He says, "Woe, Capernaum! It would have better for you not to even been born than what you're doing." Yeah, and so I think about that. And I go, you know what? It kind of, you know, when we're in our uh, world today. And we're beginning to watch our boundaries being stretched and people begin to say, you can't say this, you can't do that. And we're pushing Christianity so far into the corner that it, it, it just drives a note inside of me that says, you know what, Chancy? You know, we've got to really stand firm here that we don't, I would rather die for saying the right thing than to die not having said anything at all. Yeah. And so it made me so aware of Jesus calling the disciples to an account. And that the way that they lived, he was saying, hey, guys, get on the boat. And and he kept drawing them. He says, and he kept giving them time after time of learning. Yeah. You know, let's go to the other side. Let's go over to the garrisons. Yeah. Let's go climb a mountain. I mean, he always was telling them, hey, we've been in the classroom, but now let's get in the lab. Let's actually do some operation here. And, you know, it's not in the classroom that you fall out. But when you begin to put a scaffold in somebody and, and cut, you go, oh, and you faint because you see that blood. These disciples were seeing blood. They were seeing Jesus really make Christianity real. Yeah. And that you might have to die for your faith. And not just might, you will have to die for it. Yeah. So when I think about Capernaum, I get pumped because yeah. I go, it is a place that was phenomenal. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let's go to number two. Okay. Mount of Beatitudes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, Chad, we, we drive our bus up on the top of a mountain. We get out of a bus. We begin to hike. And we hike down a mountain of all this green pastures. And we get up on a, on a side of a mountain where all we have to do is walk down a few feet and talk up the mountain. And you can hear us in just a normal sound. Yeah. And you're going, that is amazing. And to give the message of Christ in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I don't know. If it's the greatest message that Jesus ever gave, and just watching how he gave it and how masterfully he constructs it, eight beatitudes of how we are different. 
And then two metaphors of how we're to make a difference. So he says, guys, blessed are the mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. And he says, they will inherit the kingdom of God. And he goes to this beautifully masterful teaching. And then he says, you are salt. You are light. And then he goes in and tells them how. And when he tells us how, he says, guys, Matthew 5, 48 says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. So there's a standard, yeah, a standard that we could never live up to. Yeah. And he says, guys, y'all been trying to be good. You need to quit trying that because there's no one good except for me. And so what you guys need to do is you need to have your heart that's been broken before the things of God. You need to be merciful to, to seek God. You need to be meek. Strong, have strength under control to proclaim God. And he just walks through this unbelievable sermon. And then he says, guys, how good do you have to be? Well, don't have adultery, don't murder. And he says, but if you thought it, you've done it. Yeah. And I go, oh man, we're all guilty. You yeah. bet. You can't be good enough. And his point was, there's two roads. One leads to heaven, one leads to hell, and, and you've got to choose which one you're going to take. And, and, and we've got to, you know, it brings me to the point of just understanding the grace of God and the love of God. That's how I'm saved. Yeah. And I don't deserve it, but he gave it to us and he wishes that none would perish. And so when I'm sitting up on, up on that mountain overlooking that beautiful sea and seeing where Jesus would have walked from Nazareth to Capernaum, it overwhelms me of his goodness, his mercies, his love, his grace. And then he takes the time to give a great message to everybody yeah. of his love. Yeah, and it, it, the backdrop oh, of, of that spectacular for, for those of you all that can't visualize. Here's Keith speaking, you know, uphill to seventy people, and the backdrop is green, rolling hills covered <laughs> with mustard seeds, and uh, you can't make it up. The Sea of Galilee in the background, you can see for 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 literally yep. for days. Yep. Um, it's so clear and picturesque, and. Um, it's just a special yeah, spiritual moment for people mm-hmm. to have some time on that hill and uh, to reflect on yes, the words of Christ. That's really cool. Um, okay, let's finish with one more. All right. Give me, give me one last favor. Oh, There's so boy. many to choose from, uh, obviously. But oh my gosh! Can't come well, them you all. know, I, I I tell you every year that I I really had the opportunity to go to Caesarea. You know, it's our first stop on the agenda, and we walk into a place where there's. You know, the way you understand something's right, you go manuscripts, archaeology, prophecy, statistics. And so you kind of go, wow, I wonder what makes this place unique. And you go, this is absolutely a place that Herod built. Yeah. And you see a pilot stone there that signifies that Pilate had been there. And you see this man named Paul brought up on a trial. And it was a trial where Paul just says, uh, and I love this, that he says, are y'all, the, 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 the ones that are accusing him there say, you know, are you trying to save us? And Paul says, no, I'm not trying to save you. I'm trying to save everybody. And I just go, you know what? What a great statement. And I see Peter leading people to Christ there. And I see it's right down the street from where, uh, Jonah ran from the Lord. I mean, you're just kind of going, this is not a bad place. Yeah. And it's just cool to see on the Mediterranean, this Colosseum and this beautiful place that Herod would have made with this dock that was the greatest dock probably ever made that he made from, you know, out in the middle of the sea. And you're just going, wow. But God was even in control of that. And Paul often wondered, how would I get to Rome? And it was him being accused and put into prison that got him to Rome to preach the gospel. Yeah. 
And so I'm always amazed that my ways aren't God's ways, yeah. but yet they're the best ways. Yeah, God in his sovereignty will bring Absolutely. about his purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when you wonder how you're going to get somewhere, how you're going to get the message out, what are we going to do? You know what? Don't worry about it. Just get busy understanding the message and proclaim the message no matter what you go through. You know, Chad, in closing, you know, we, we've had so many people that have gone through very, very difficult times. And when you're on the Sea of Galilee and you're on that boat mm. and the waves are rocking and you're thinking about what it would have been like to to see Jesus walking across the water and you think it's a ghost, how many people out there in our listening audience today have seen the ghost? Yeah. And they've forgotten who Jesus really is. And they've just gotten caught up in the business of their life. And they've forgotten to just, you know what? Our Jesus is the one that calms the storms. Yeah. And he will get into your boat and he'll rescue you. He'll reach his hand out and pull you up and calm everything. So out there today, if you're going through a difficult time, there's there's turmoil, there's crazy going, hey, reach out, grab the hand of Christ and go back to what you know is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Enjoy him because he surely enjoys you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great reminder that that Jesus not only calms the storm, but is with us during the storm. Always. And it, it's not one, it's both. And it's what, both. A, what a great way to, uh, to segue. Um, Keith, last thing, just, um, you know, we're already going to start planning our trip for next yeah, year. Yeah, we are. <laughs> As we got to, got to get in front of hotels and, um, you know, give us one last second of just why, why somebody would want to go on the trip and then what, what action steps do they need to do if they're interested? Well, you know, number one, it makes your Bible become alive. And and what we've got to do in our world today is we've got to make the Bible alive. We've got to get people to go, this is the greatest book ever written. We need to know, we need to be encouraged to get excited about reading it again. And we need to read it in big, large chunks. And so when you understand these stories and the overall story of the Bible, you begin to get the New Testament. We're looking at New Testament and Old Testament. We're bringing a lot of things to life. We're, we're, we're pulling 66 books together because whether it be Qumran, we're we, we found the Dead Sea Scrolls or where, not we, but where the Dead Sea Scrolls, <laughs> that would have been awesome. It'd be awesome if we found yeah. them. Or wherever we're at, it's just is an amazing thing of, of capturing my attention and going, you know what? I want to make a difference with my life. I want to go and I want to do something so beyond whatever thought imaginable. And so it gets me reconnected with my Bible. It gets me reconnected with friends. It gets me reconnected with a vision that I want to go back home and make a difference for Christ. So if you're out there thinking today you want to do this trip, man, you know, begin to contact us. Begin to save your nickels and dimes and, and, and be a part of this trip because I promise you it will change your life and you'll be connected with a lot of other students that you're going to go, wow, this is unbelievable. So whether you're a parent, an alumni, a friend of us, we would love to invite you. And Chad, Something that we're going to add next year, I hope, and I really believe that's going to happen, is is another stint that's going to go on to the end of our trip. The Israel trip will also go down uh, when we're a lot. It'll go uh, two, maybe three days on down to Mount Sinai, where we'll climb Mount Sinai. And so we're pretty excited about that. We'll see a lot. We'll see uh, Elam. We'll see Raphadim. We'll see uh, Nuebe Beach. We'll see some really cool other artifacts of the Old Testament. Uh, of where God spoke to Moses. And so if you're interested, man, I'd love to get you guys uh, excited about this trip. And Chad, why don't you tell them what they need to do? Yeah, you. I mean, really simply, you can um, just email Julie at CanicuckInstitute.com or Joy at CanicuckInstitute.com. Let them know you're interested. Our trip usually runs somewhere between five and $6,000, yep. depending on flights. And um, that doesn't include the Saudi Arabia piece we're right. still trying to figure out. But more more information to come. 
But the best step you can do is reach out now, let us know you're interested so that we have you on a list uh, as we start working uh, towards next year. So we'll be excited to share more here about the, the second leg of our trip here on the Canna Cook Institute podcast. But for now, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. God bless. God bless.